Well, last week, as we were getting into part two of our new season fasting series, uh, I started to talk about or look at eight different benefits of, of praying and fasting or eight benefits of prayer and fasting. <clears throat> and the first one we talked about was when fasting is done right, it helps us be spiritually minded. Uh, we're called to be spiritually minded because we can't walk in the spirit with a carnal mind. And the Bible says that we are to walk in the spirit, right? So fasting helps us to be spiritually minded, which ultimately helps us to walk in the spirit. The second thing we talked about is that fasting turns our heart back to God in repentance. Repentance is a good thing. It's a great thing. I think re repentance will solve a lot of problems in our lives, right? We're rebuking devils and casting out demons and trying to do all kind of other stuff. And the Lord's like, no, nah, just repent, bro. That's all. Right? Just, just repent, repent. It's that simple. You know? And so I'm trying to get into a practice of starting there at repentance. Yeah. You know? So fasting turns our heart back to God in repentance because I think it allows us to see things more clearly. Amen? Fasting leads to answered prayer and greater sensitivity to the voice of God. Anybody want that? Yeah. Right? I want my prayers answered. I want to be more sensitive to his voice, more sensitive to his leading and his presence. You know, we, we can't sing a song like stay and cry out we want more, but not be willing to push back the plate in order to get it. Right? It's like that verse that we quote in the, in the church a lot. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins and cleanse their land. But, but the first part of that is humble ourselves. And really you could say, because part of humbling yourself is fasting. So if my people would fast and pray and turn, Right? So fasting leads to answered prayer and greater sensitivity to the voice of the Lord, which we all need and hopefully we all desire. Yeah. And we talked about fasting increases faith while at the same time moving demonic influences. Mm -hmm. And I want to dig into this one a little bit more this week. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll get to the other four next week, but all week long, the Lord has really been dealing with me on, on this one, that there's just, there's, there's more meat on that bone, right? Yeah. <laughs> like when I eat chicken, I get all the meat off that bone. <laughs> I don't understand people leave all kind of meat there and it just, it's weird to me. Like, man, you need to finish that, <laughs> right? <laughs> that ain't finished. Well, I got most of it. No, eat it all. That chicken sacrificed for you. <laughs> Get all the meat off of that bone, man. Right. And um, that's what I feel about with this, this particular point, that fasting increases faith and moves demonic influences. I just feel like there's more meat on that bone that we need to... We need to chew on. So we're, we're going to spend our time this week talking about that. Is that okay? Amen. I want to make a couple of statements about faith because once again, fasting increases faith and moves demonic 
influences. So I want to make a couple statements about faith. The first statement is faith is not believing you can. It's knowing that God will. Right? It's, it's, it's that saying that we have in the church. Won't he do it? But sometimes it's like we, we, we put the onus on us. And I'm, I'm just telling you, I don't care how powerful you are. You're not moving anything. Jesus was clear. You can do nothing apart from me. And so faith is not believing that you can. It's not a belief. It's a knowing that God will. That's faith. The second statement is real faith is not about you at all. It's actually about our God. Right? It's the simple ability for me to trust that God is, well, he is what? He is. What is it that you need? What is it that you're bumping up against, right? He's, he's enough. Sometimes that needs to be your prayer. Lord, you're enough, right? You're enough. If you're struggling with contentment, Lord, you're enough. If you're struggling with, with, with uh, 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 desires that, you know, you're not seeing met, Lord, you're enough. So real faith is not about you. It's, it's, it's all about God. Belief, on the other hand, revolves around you and your ability. And because we're Christian, in Jesus' name, right? But belief starts with you and revolves around you and, and what, what you can do. But faith revolves around the Lord and his ability. And I'm not saying belief is a bad thing. It's a good place to start, but we all need to grow and mature to a place of faith. Amen. Sometimes you hear people praying for someone and you would think their name is the one that brings healing. Because I command you, I, I and I'm not saying all that is wrong, but sometimes there's too much of us in our prayers. Amen. So belief revolves around you and your ability while faith revolves around the Lord and his ability. Amen. And then faith is to completely rely and depend upon God. Completely. Now I want to read a couple statements that Jesus made about faith and I want you to understand the difference here and then we're going to get into how fasting and prayer moves or builds faith and moves demonic influences. So the first one is from John chapter 12, starting in verse 49. It says, Jesus says, for I have not spoken of my own authority. This is Jesus, our Lord speaking. He says, I have not spoken of my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command. What I shall say and what I shall speak. And I know his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, I have a commandment from the Father, and that's what I'm going to say and speak. Not my opinion, not my desire, but my Father's. I've heard from him, and that's what I'm all about. Remember, when Jesus' parents find him in the temple and they ask, and he says, 
didn't you know I must be about my father's business at 12? Some of us at 40 don't even know our father's business. But Jesus is telling us here, the father has given me a commandment. That's what I'm going to do. And as we do what the father has command, we find eternal life. Therefore, in verse 20 or 50, I will speak just as a father has told me. That's it. That's all I'm going to speak. That's faith. That's faith. In Luke chapter 4, verse 9, Jesus is coming off of a, or in a time of fasting and prayer for 40 days, and the enemy comes and tempts him, and he tempts him with a couple of things, and this is the second temptation. It says in Luke 4, 9, it says, Then he, Satan, brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Now, we know that Satan is the father of lies. And that's all he does is lie. But what he just quoted is true, but he quotes it out of context. He's asking Jesus to prove that he is who the Father has already declared him to be. More than that, he's asking the Father to prove to Jesus that the Father is who the Father has said he will be. He's asking the Father to prove his faithfulness. And this is how Jesus responds to that. It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So what is... This statement that Jesus makes here in Luke chapter 4, why is that different than the statement he makes in, in John chapter 12? Because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is dealing with what a lot of us deal with as American believers today, where we say we're going to do this, God bless it. We don't have a word from him. We don't have direction from him. It's just what feels good to us. I'll give you an example. Stacey and I bought our first house. We'd only been married a few years. And of course, we want to, you know, make the house nice. I don't want to use this college furniture in the new house. So we go to this store in Dallas to, to buy new furniture. Going to spend way too much money on it. I had just started a new career as a financial advisor with a firm called Edward Jones, making peanuts. And Stacy turns to me, because we're going to do this on credit, and it's 0% for two years or whatever. And Stacy turns to me and says, can we do this? I say, oh, yeah, we can do this. By the time we have to pay this stuff, I'll be making so much money, it won't matter. Because I was tempting God. I didn't have a word from the Lord to go into debt. It's okay because... I'm going to bless you. I didn't have a word from the Lord. All I had was belief in me and the fact that I'm saved. And so God's like obligated. In a year, that furniture was sitting in our friend's house. And I'm still paying on it for three years. I learned a hard lesson. Don't tempt the Lord. That's not faith. 
and because of, and I'm, I might offend some of you by saying this, but I really don't care. That's as nice as I can say it. I don't care. We're, some of us are listening too much to these talking heads on Christian TV, and they're telling us stuff that is tempt to do stuff that is tempting God. It's not faith. It's not faith. Name it and claim it. Money cometh. All this crazy stuff that you're seeing on Christian TV, it's not faith. It's belief. And really the belief is in you. I'm so loved by God that whatever I want, he will do because he's so crazy in love with me. No, you're, 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 you're going to learn a hard lesson. That's not faith. That's tempting the Lord. So when I say fasting builds faith and moves demonic influences, it's because we move beyond the childish way of trying to tempt God, the immature way of trying to tempt God to do what it is that we want. And we get more in tune with what he desires and his desires become our desires. And when his desires become our desires and our prayers line up with that and we get answered prayer. Amen. So let's look at this. Fasting increases faith and moves demonic influences or demonic powers. Matthew chapter 17, verses 19 through 20 is what we looked at last week. Let's go back to those verses. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Because remember, the, the, there's a man whose son is demon possessed. They bring him uh, bring, he brings the son to Jesus's disciples to, to cure him. And they, they can't, they can't. They just, they, they cannot cure him, so they have to go get Jesus, and Jesus speaks one word, and the boy is healed, right? Rebukes the, the, the demonic spirit, and he's healed. And so they come to Jesus a little bit later, privately, of course, saying, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus says to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So Jesus gives a very powerful and telling answer to their question of why could we not cast it out? And he says, unbelief unbelief. Now, I've heard this taught that they had a little faith. And this word that we've translated unbelief does not mean little faith. It actually means the absence of faith. Because a little faith would have got the job done. You don't believe me? Let's read it again in verse 20. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, that's small, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Right? You won't run up on demonic spirits that, can't, that won't move at your word if you just have a little bit of faith. I've heard this taught that they didn't have enough faith, that they just had a little bit of faith. No, they had none. That word means faithlessness. So let's talk a little bit about mustard seed faith. Mustard seed faith can uproot mountains. 
Because Jesus just said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be moved. Don't think of physical mountains. Think about strongholds in your life. Think about things you struggled with your whole life. Think about things that have been in your, your, your grandfather and great-grandfather, your father. Think about those that are part of your bloodline. Those are mountains that need to be moved. Those are strongholds that need to be broken. Jesus says, if you have just a little faith, you'll speak to that and it'll move. Mustard seed faith makes the impossible possible. Why do I say that? Because he said, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, don't use that to go try to get what you want. Jesus said, nothing will be impossible for me, so I'm going to go get this brand new Porsche by faith. You're tempting God. Let's grow up, right? Let's grow up. I'm just, I'm just saying this because these are things that I struggled with early on in my walk. I'm serious. I, I read this and it was like, oh, shoot, I can, I can get a Porsche. I wanted a red one. You know, I was living in Dallas. I saw a red Porsche driving all over the place. It's like, man, I would look good in one of those. And the Lord settled down. That's, that's, that's not the impossible becoming possible that I'm talking about here. But mustard seed faith makes the impossible possible. Struggling with addiction? Struggling with impurity? Struggling with brokenness? Depression, struggling with, you got an identity crisis, you don't know who you are, so you're just trying everything. I know a young, a young man, very gifted young man that is that way. I've known him since he was a child. He's, he's so struggling with identity, he does anything and everything to just try to find something out about himself. And it's like, bro, just connect to the Lord. Your answer is there. You're trying to do this and be that and, and worship this and be, uh, uh, get applause from these people, just mustard seed faith makes the impossible possible. That thing that you could not overcome with just a little bit of faith, now you receive the power and the strength to overcome it. However, mustard seed faith must grow. Well, why? Because you will run up on some demonic powers that mustard seed faith won't be able to move. In fact, let me say it this way. You can't expel a demonic spirit that you support with your lifestyle. Now, I'm not talking about you or someone being possessed. Some environments that you go in, let me say it this way, some environments that some of us work in, there's a demonic presence there. And you know that because it's chaotic and there's conflict and no one's happy and everyone's backbiting and all that, that stuff, that chaos, it comes from the enemy. And, and you, you want it to be peaceful. You want it to be changed, but, but, but you support it. You engage in the gossip. You engage in, in, in bashing your boss, right? You complain with the co-workers about 
how bad the conditions are. Now, if they're really bad conditions, then, then take that to the boss. Don't sit around with the other coworkers and just complain about it. That's, that's, that's a rebellious spirit. So we can't cast out any demonic power or influence that we support with our lifestyle or our words. So therefore, I need to get to a place where I'm living a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. I don't know about any of you, but for me, over these last 15 days that we've been praying and fasting, it's like the Lord has given me insight on things that I just, I I, I didn't know. Right? Right? Prayers that I've been praying and, and not getting answers to, but over these last 15 days that I've been fasting and praying, the Lord is saying, try this. And I try that, and it's like, whoa, that worked. I should fast more. Right? Because it's not that it necessarily is moving God. It's it's opening us up to hear from the voice of the Lord more. It's getting us to a place where our ear is is fine-tuned to the Spirit, Tony. Right? And when our ear is fine-tuned to the Spirit and a demon manifests, we don't step back like I did in Uganda a few years ago. We say, well, our God is still on the throne. And this devil might be acting up, but his power is nothing compared with the power that my God has. His power is nothing compared to the Holy Spirit's power that is in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me. Why should I be afraid of this demonic manifestation? Why should I be afraid of this chaotic environment? Christian people, oh, I think, I think I need to go get a new job. Well, why? Because no one on my job is saved. Maybe that's why you're there. Well, those people don't want to hear what I have to say. Doesn't matter. I didn't say you're there to save them. I said you're there to preach the message to them. That's faith. Not whether or not they get saved. Yes, we want them to get saved. But the results of you doing the thing that God has called and created you to do is not what determines whether or not it's faith. It's your willingness to do what God has called you to do. Read the prophet Jeremiah. He didn't turn the nation back to God. His whole ministry, that was the, that was the whole ministry. And it, we would say, oh, he, he failed. He was unsuccessful. No, he was very successful. Because in the face of persecution and being slandered and all these other things that were happening to him, he stood firm in his willingness to obey God's command. That's faith. That's faith. Let's talk a little bit about unbelief, some more about unbelief. Unbelief refers to unfaithfulness also, or it, it can also mean like uh, disobedience or an inconsistent lifestyle. So we know unbelief is the absence of faith, but it can also just be that you have a lifestyle of disobedience. And it may not be that your whole lifestyle is disobedient, but maybe a corner of it is. Right? Maybe you've got some inconsistency in your life. I remember a guy telling me one time he was, he, 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 he was saying how he used to like have this issue with pornography, but, but he thought he was like this spiritual giant. 
And he said, I was so deceived thinking that I could look at porn and still be this spiritual, this, this great spiritual man of God. Now, besides that, he, he lived a pretty righteous and holy life. But, but that issue with pornography, it, it's canceling out a bunch of stuff. We don't necessarily know that. We think that, that, that that's, it's only impacting us, but no, it's, in, it's impacting those around you. It's impacting the way you see people around you. You know, it, it, it's impacting a lot of different things. And I, this isn't a message about overcoming pornography, but if that's an issue for you, you need to overcome that. I say that with compassion as one who has overcome that Amen. and understand that it's, it's tough. But that's not the only one. There's other issues that people have. You just need a little inconsistency in your life in order to throw things off. Now listen, I'm not saying you have to be perfect in order to truly walk by faith. And, and no, you're, you're not going to be perfect. What we can't have is these habits of inconsistency. We can't be in a place where the Lord is saying, hey, you know, stop talking like that or stop drinking that or stop watching that. And we, well, you know, God's patient. The Bible does say he's long suffering. Yeah, he is. But while you're taking advantage of his long suffering, you're also hurting your own progress and growth. You're walking in inconsistency and disobedience. Now, I want to read um, a few verses to you that use that same Greek word that we've translated in Matthew 17 as unbelief. It's, it's apostia, right? That's, that's the Greek word. There's, there's other times that that word is used in the scripture, and I want to read those to you and to get a fuller picture of what this unbelief looks like. Is that okay? Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, apostia, in departing from the living God. So unbelief can lead to me departing from my relationship with the Lord. Why? Well, I think it's because we will pray and we don't get any results. And so we start to listen to other ideas. We start going to the tarot card readers and the psychics and the mediums because we're not getting results from our prayer. Well, the problem is not that God, the problem is our unbelief. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 13, verses 58, or verse 58, it says, now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It's talking about Jesus. That Jesus was limited in his ability to do miracles. That's what mighty works means. Because the people he desired to minister to walked in unbelief. Apostia. Think about that. That God is all-powerful. He's created everything that we see and holds it all together. But our unbelief can, in a way, tie his hands. Why is that? God can do whatever he wants. Yes, 
But God is also a God of principle. And when he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth, he's not going to violate that. I'm going to say something that might sound weird, but it's just study it out and it's the truth. God is so good and he's so true and he's so just that when he gave dominion to man, we have to, I'm uncomfortable using this word, but it's the best word I can think of. Give him permission to come into our lives and deal with the situations that we're facing. Because he said it's their dominion. Now, I want them to invite me into it so that I can do what only I can do because they're not enough. But I want to have this relationship with them where they're inviting me into their place of dominion. Does that make sense? So he did not do many miracles because apostia, unbelief. Mark 6 and 6, it says, and he marveled because of their apostia. Then he went about the villages in a circuit preaching. Wow, that Jesus scratching his head like, man, this is weird to me. They've heard of me. They've seen the results and the fruit of my ministry and they, they're, they're faithless. Jolene, they, they don't, this is strange. I'll go to the next village. Is our unbelief causing Jesus to go to the next person? Mark 16, 14. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. There's two things going on here. Because of fear, their heart is hardened and and, and unbelieving. So, so, So unbelief has the ability to allow our hearts to be hard. A hard heart is very difficult for the seed of the word of God to penetrate. It sits on top and the birds come and they eat it or people trample on it or the weeds choke it out. That's the, that's the parable. The second thing is they could not believe the word of God that came from eyewitnesses. Right? Let's read it again. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So people saw that Jesus had risen. They go to his disciples and say, we, we, we saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. She's crazy. In fact, Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I used to be engaged in, which is something we should all consider, the results of unbelief. We can go back to the stuff that God has brought us out of. Not that fishing was a bad thing, but fishing wasn't going to make Peter's name ring 2,000 years later. Following Jesus did. Amen? Is Is this helping or is this just boring? Okay. All right, good. Hebrews chapter 3 
verses 16 through 19. It's speaking about the Israelites that came out of Egypt. It says, for who having heard rebelled? Who was it that heard the word and rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he, God, angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So their unbelief for the children of Israel coming out of Egypt in the wilderness, their unbelief led to disobedience, which caused them to, uh, to, to sacrifice or to give up their inheritance. God had a plan to bring them into a place of rest, but they couldn't believe. And they walked in rebellion and they worshiped false gods and they tried to do things like the nations around them. And because of that, a whole generation that was supposed to enter into the promised land, they died except for Caleb and Joshua. I wonder how many of us are carrying around the promises of our fathers that never got fulfilled because they walked in unbelief. Let me pass it down to the next generation. Right? Because there was a generation that came after that was able to enter into the inheritance. I don't want to sacrifice my godly inheritance because I have an evil heart of unbelief. Those things that God had for my father, Lord, give them to me. Show it to me. I'll believe you. I'll trust you, even if it looks scary, even if it, if, even if it leads to difficulty, even if it hurts me, I'm going to believe you because I want my inheritance. I want more of you. I want my life to please you. I want my life to be a a sweet aroma to you, Lord God. Then I've got to walk in faith. Amen? Amen. Faith moves mountains. So we have to continue to grow because we don't want our unbelief to cost us our godly inheritance. Now, in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus said to his disciples once again, because they said, why could we not cast it out? Because of unbelief, apostia. And then he says, but this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. So what is this kind that does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Well, let's read this same account in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. Um, man, I'm running out of time. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude on them, and scribes, <clears throat> excuse me, disputing with them. Immediate, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeting him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one uh, of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you, I brought, uh, you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and gnashes with his teeth. 
and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now listen to Jesus' answer. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and fell down on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And his father said, from childhood. It often has thrown him, uh, thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, it's, it's very interesting what Jesus says in this situation, because they're like, I, I, he says, I brought him to your disciples to cure him, but, but, but they couldn't. And Jesus says in verse 19, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And for years, I've read this verse thinking that Jesus was just speaking like in general about our generation, just the generation that, that they live in. He was talking to his disciples. That's who he was talking to. He's saying, you're, you're faithless. Like, how long do I, you, you've been with me almost three years now. You've seen me do all these different things. You even operated in some of my power. But now this kind, this kind comes and all of a sudden you lose faith. Well, what is this kind? It's the kind that has been with this child since childbirth. What are the kinds of spirits? Remember Jesus said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Those are generational strongholds. Those are things that our grandfather, great-grandfather, they couldn't defeat. That's why you see some people like, like alcoholism is just through their drug addiction. Just, it's, it's gener right, Stephen John? Right? If you don't believe me, ask, they know this stuff. It's, it's generational. When the Bible says that we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, part of that is it, 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 it started with Adam, right? The sin that, that they allowed into the world. But then all of us have fathers who engaged in some kind of a sin that was either unrepented of or never dealt with. And so it's giving foothold to that spirit in our lives. I know we don't like to talk about this because we're saved and there can't be... Okay, okay, but you're frustrated as to why this, you can't overcome this. I'm not saying you're demon-possessed because I don't believe a Christian, one who's, who's got the Holy Spirit, can be demon-possessed. Possession is internal. You can absolutely be oppressed from the outside. Depression is heavy. It weighs you down, Right? You can be oppressed as a believer. What is the point that I'm trying to make here? The point that I'm trying to make is if we want to move generational strongholds out of our lives, out of the lives of the people we love, out of our community, we better pray and fast as a lifestyle because Jesus says this kind, 
your mustard seed faith can't deal with. This kind, your standard prayer life, Lord, thank you for a new day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Help me make some money, Jesus. Amen. Whew, that was a good prayer time. All 32 seconds of it. That's not going to get it done. When we're talking about ancient, generational, demonic strongholds, it's not going to get it done, church. It's just not. It's just not going to get it done. Last week I said some of the stuff that we're calling mental illness, some of the stuff that we're calling mental illness in America, some of it is demonic. So don't write me a letter or an email. You said because I struggle with depression that I have a... I did not say that. I said some of it is demonic. Right? I'll add to that some of what we're calling love in America is demonic. And I'll be very bold in what I'm saying it, but at the same time, humble. The LGBTQ agenda has demonic roots. When you think about people saying, well, I was born this way. Well, let, let's, before we say no to that, let's, let's think about something, right? Because Jesus asked this man, how long has your son been this way? Since childbirth or from childhood is what it says. See, we got to understand, once again, sin is in the world and it's in our bloodline. So you can be born a certain way. Doesn't mean you were created by God that way. Those are two different things, creation and born. Also, to the person who says, well, I was born this way. Okay, fine. You say you were born that way. It doesn't mean that's how God wants you to stay. It doesn't mean that that's his purpose and his will for your life, right? Doesn't mean he doesn't want you to overcome that because it's just going to get stronger in your children and turn into something else more dishonoring to God. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm just telling you, church, because someone is born a certain way or they've been a certain way for a long period of time, it does not mean that it's right. I mean, let's just think about that. Me as a man, right? I, 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 I'm attracted to women, specifically a woman named Stacy Butler, okay? But in my previous days, I wasn't faithful. I'll just put it that way. I can't say, well, I was just a born attract. I was born attracted to a bunch of women. And so that's just how I have to live. No, bro, you got to get that under control. That doesn't honor God. Right? That does not honor the Lord. And so come out of that. That's, that's not going to lead you into God's purpose and destiny for your life. So come out of it. In fact, Charles, Charles, not anyone else, for you, Charles, some of that is demonic because of your daddy and the way he lived with three families in the same community, 12 kids by five or six different women. This is a stronghold that you need to break. And so I'm going to be faithful to my wife because I don't want my sons dealing with that mess. 
But I was born that way. Okay. If you want to be reborn, then let's be born again. If you were born broken, if you were born addicted, if you were born whatever, let's, let's be born again to deal with the demonic strongholds that have been passed down through the bloodline of your father and his father and his father. My family on my mother's side is, is full of dysfunction and myself and my cousin Clarence were the first two to like get to really like get saved and live for the Lord. And we would, we would pray for our family consistently. And, and one time while we were praying, the Lord, he, he gave me a, a revelation that someone in generations before us made a decision. And that decision was passed down through his bloodline and corrupted all of us. And that's why there's so much dysfunction on that side of the family. And my cousin and I determined that we will repent for whoever and whatever. And we will determine to start something new. And it's amazing how some of the other people in our family have started to get saved and, and, and turn to Christ. And, you know, there's still a bunch of dysfunction. And even with those who have gotten saved, they still got stuff they got to get over. But, but we're progressing in the right direction right? There's things that like, I'll tell my kids that I live with and they're like, what? That's, that's weird. They can't fathom it because we don't live like that. I'm just telling you, church, we cannot walk in unbelief because we will not be able to move demonic powers and influences in our own lives, in the lives of our children and family, in the life of our community. Just making sense. So what do we do if we find ourselves living in unbelief, right? Well, I, I say we pray and we cry out to God. Mark chapter 9, we're going to read this, you know, a, a couple verses uh, from this same story. Mark chapter 9, we'll start in verse uh, 21. It says, so he, the father said, uh, he, so he asked the father, how long has, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he throws him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Now listen to what the father says, this, this boy's father. He says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He's saying that to Jesus. <laughs> but, but if th this... I'm pretty hopeless because he's been like this from childhood, right? We've tried everything. Even your disciples couldn't heal him, you know. Uh, and, and really, uh, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says he, he suffers from epilepsy. But that's really a bad translation because when you look that word, the Greek word up that we've translated epilepsy, it, it's a word that means lunatic or crazy, like epilepsy is a medical condition that people have. This was much more dire than that. This boy had a demonic spirit of madness in him. And so you got to understand what this father has lived a lifestyle dealing with. 
And so it's not that he's a bad man saying to Jesus, hey, listen, if, if you can do anything, have, please have compassion. I, I'm wore out. I'm sure he was wore out. I'm just wore out. And I love my son. When I found out that my wife was pregnant, I had all these dreams and visions of what his life has be, will become. And I have a lunatic. So please, Jesus, if there's anything that you can do, please have compassion. And I love Jesus's response because I feel like Jesus says, if I, can, if, if, if I can do anything. And then he says, if you can believe, the problem ain't with my ability. In fact, this whole thing with your son is an opportunity for you to get to know me on a different level. Doctors can't heal him. The the Pharisees couldn't heal him. My disciples couldn't even heal him. But I'm Jesus. I'm different. And I need to introduce you to myself. So if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. What's that mean, Cam? Mountains can be moved when we believe. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I love that prayer, that transparency, where he's saying, I believe, Lord, but he's been like this a long time. Help my unbelief. know who you are. I've heard about who you are. He may have even seen Jesus do something, but that was in Betty Sue's life. This is my life. I believe, but help my unbelief. He's crying out to the Lord sincerely, like, I believe and I want to believe more, but, but help my unbelief because you're saying it's unbelief that is keeping my son from being set free. So I believe, but help my unbelief. This is a good verse for you to write down and pray over yourself every day. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You start to grow in faith because he will. He wants you to believe. Does that make sense? So if you're struggling with unbelief in your life, cry out to God. Lord, I believe, but there's areas of my life where I struggle to believe. So help me to believe. Lord, I trust you, but there's areas of my life that I struggle to trust you, so help me to trust you. This is not the way you want me to live. This is not how you want my life to go. You said that you came that we might have life and life more abundantly. I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to close with talking about we need to, how we need to pray for ourselves and, and, and what we need to pray for ourselves on a regular basis. Because we need to have the wisdom to know how to pray, right? Like if you're praying healing for someone who has a demonic issue, it, it, that doesn't line up, right? But if you're trying to cast out a devil... When it's a physical issue, 
you're going to be frustrated with God. I was just telling someone uh, uh, the other day, um, you know, about when we first moved back to Wisconsin from Texas. You know, it, it, the sun's out all the time in Texas, all the time. And I noticed my first three years back in Wisconsin, around mid-December, man, I just fall into a deep depression, a deep depression. And I mean, I'm rebuking devils and casting out demons and declaring the word over and everything, and nothing's moving. And it would usually take about mid-January for me to like break out of that. And it would get worse and worse and worse. I could feel it coming on and it would get so bad to where it's, it was hard to get out of the bed. And now I'm starting to get frustrated with God about year three of this. Because I'm rebuking this devil, you letting him attack me. And I got work to do. I got a family to provide for. I got a church you want me to establish. I can't deal with this. It takes everything in me to just get out of the bed in the morning. So I'm mad at the Lord. And Stacy comes to me one day and says, hey, you know, I was reading this article. I think you're vitamin D deficient. I was like, what? vitamin D, what are you talking about? It's a devil. <laughs> I'm so anointed, the devil's after me. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. It's like, what vitamin D? She said, just, just take some vitamin D. I said, I'm, what are you talking about? You know, I'm still young at that time. And so when you're young and you're a man, you're invincible, right? And she said, no, I was reading and it says that like black people need more vitamin D. You need more sunlight. And she started laying this stuff out about like all kind of stuff. And I was like, I'll try it. Fine. So I started taking vitamin D. Three days, it was gone. So now I have to go back into prayer and say, Jesus, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I repent for being mad at you. Yeah, if you would fast and pray, you could hear from my voice. And I could say, it's not a demonic issue. It's physical. Right? So I, I want to close with this verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I, I know I've been long. I apologize. But I needed to get through this. I needed to get through this. And I hope it was worth your time. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, Holy Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord, Jesus Christ. There are diversities of activities, but the same God, our Father, who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Or the way we could say it is, the Spirit manifests Himself to each one of us for the profit of all of us. And this is how he manifests himself in verse eight. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues but one in the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one of you individually as he wills 
Can I tell you, Breakthrough Covenant Church, this is one of the verses I pray over this church just about every day. God, manifest your spirit over Breakthrough Covenant Church that we can walk in the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and faith and prophecy and healings and miracles and discerning the spirits, the interpretation of tongues and different kinds of tongues because we need it for the demonic spirits that we're battling up against. You need to start praying this over your life, your family, and this church so that we start to just know, right? That's what a word of knowledge is. Well, how did you know that? I don't know. I just know. That's a word of knowledge. The word of wisdom is is the ability to take knowledge and apply it. So it's not just the knowledge, right? You can have book knowledge but not know how to do it, right? It's like I used to call my father-in-law and say, hey, my, my car is making this noise. Um, could you come fix it? Because he tried to tell me and I could understand what he's saying, but I could not apply it. So he'd have to come over with the gift of mechanical wisdom and apply that knowledge to fix my vehicle. That's how knowledge and wisdom are different. Right? We look here and it, it talks about uh, uh, faith. This isn't like standard faith. This is, this, is, this is like an infusion of faith where it's like, man, I know this is impossible, but all of a sudden, I believe, this is what I believe. And this is what I feel God saying. And this is what I feel the Lord doing. And so that's what I'm going to do. You're crazy. I know to you because you don't operate in the gift of faith right now, but I am. So leave me alone. Right? Healing and miracles are two different things. I'm standing on a miracle. This project up here cost $150,000. It was a miracle for us. We didn't have the money. It would have taken us forever But God moved on the heart of one businessman who came to one service, heard me preaching about our mission program. He he came down here and met me after service, said, can I meet with you on Tuesday? I said, sure. He said, some things I want to talk to you about. He came into my office, slid an envelope across my, my desk. He said, what I do is insignificant. I run a construction company in this area. It's insignificant. What you guys are trying to do is significant, and I want to help. He slid that across, so I opened it up, and it was two invoices, one for the connect room downstairs, 35000 I said, bro, we can't, we, we can't pay for this. He said, no, no, no. I'm giving this to you, and I want to do your stage project, so I don't care how much it costs. You just tell me what you want. I start crying. I, I couldn't contain myself. It was a miracle. And let me say something to you, church. When you give to our missions program every month, because hopefully you are, and we send that money to Cuba, Cambodia, Thailand, Pakistan, India, where, when we send that money, it's the same thing. It may not be $150,000 or $35,000, but that 100 bucks or 200 bucks or 300 bucks that they get, it's a miracle from God. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what they're telling me miracles 
Healing is healing. Physical sickness, emotional sickness, spiritual sickness, healing. God heals, right? We see in here uh, prophecy. That's not just foretelling the future, but anointed preaching and teaching of the word. That's prophecy. Discerning the spirits. We need that because we don't want to be rebuking devils when we need vitamin D. That leads to frustration. Take it from me. Right? Different kinds of tongues. That can be your prayer language. That can be a, a natural language that you just start speaking that you don't know. And then the ability to interpret that. We need to pray for this, for ourselves, for our family, for our church. Because church, we're dealing with some demonic spirits that will not move with mustard seed faith. I believe as we start to pray and get serious about fasting and praying, we start to declare the word over our lives and over our church, we'll start to see that much more clearly. We'll start to be tuned in to the voice of the, of the, of the Lord much more clearly. And then nothing will be impossible for us. Amen. So, Father, we honor you today and thank you for your living word and the truth that is found in it. Help us to apply every ounce of it, Lord. We don't want to just be hearers of the word, but doers. Those who can do what it is that you have created and called us to do. I pray, Father, for your spirit to lead us in all things. And as we finish this season of fasting and praying, I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you increase our faith and that you start to move demonic influences out of our lives, out of our church, out of our homes, out of our community, out of our jobs, Lord God. Wherever it is that we go, we pray that the demonic powers be moved and that people be set free. We honor you and glorify you and thank you, Lord. Use us for your glory. If you want to be used by God, just stand to your feet right now. If you don't want to be used, stay seated. Don't stand just for the sake of standing. But stand. If you really want to be used by God, well, I'm already being used. Do you want to be used more? I want to be used more. I'm being used. I want to be used more. I'm not satisfied with the level that he's using me at right now. I want to see more people saved, Cheryl. I want to see those who are demon in, in demonic bondage. I want to see that broken. I want to see Oak Home come to, come to pass. I want to see these women brought out of this trafficking garbage and connected to their purpose in God. I want to see young people like these sitting up here in the front row and in and, and, and other parts of this sanctuary. I want to see their generation saved. And so we have to be willing to say, Lord, use me. If we want to see that manifest, we have to be willing to be used. You can't pray a prayer and not be willing for God to use you to answer it. Oh, God, provide for the poor, but never give. Oh, God, heal the sick. But then they ask you, uh, could, not Renee, because Renee wouldn't do this, but 
Sally. We don't know. A, there's no Sally's in here, right? Sally, come pray for this sick person. Well, I, I don't. Then don't pray for them to be healed. You got to be willing to be used to do the thing that you're praying for. Pastor Eric talked last week about praying for revival. Guess what he's got to do? He's got to be one who's willing to speak the word so that revival can come. And he is. So Lord, you see us standing. Use us, God. I pray every bit of condemnation be moved off of us. Devil, in Jesus' name, be rebuked. Your voice be silenced now in the name of Jesus. We have our ears tuned to the voice of our Father in heaven. And we're in alignment and in agreement with what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives and through us. So use us, God, like you never have before. Let 2023 be the most powerful spiritual experience that we've had in our walk with God. Father, we pray over the Dreeses in their ministry. We pray for more healings. We pray for greater miracles, Father God, to manifest. We pray for a greater platform for this couple, Lord. You've seen their hearts. You know their faithfulness, Lord God. And I pray that you take them to the nations, Lord. I know they go to South Africa, but we ask that you take them to various continents throughout this world, Father, carrying the message that you put in their hearts and healing the sick, Father God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Y'all can clap for that. You should clap for that. These are our brother and our sister. They're laying their life down for people to be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm through with playing. I'm just done with playing. When I wrote down my fasting stuff, it's like, Lord, I just, I want more of you. More of you. That's all I really want is more of you. You'll, you'll bless me. I know you'll bless me. I know you'll provide for me. I want more of you because I'm done playing. I'm done talking about the power of God. I'm finished looking at someone else operate in it. I want to operate in it. And so I'm all in on this fast. And I've made a decision that I'm going to live a fasted lifestyle. Because this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So let's be locked in. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Hallelujah. As we, as we close today, our prayer team will be up front. If, if, if you want to receive Jesus as Lord today or maybe rededicate your life to the Lord, our prayer team who's coming up now, they'll be up here to pray for you. Those of us that are congregating, if, if you see prayer going on, please carry that in a different area so that they can hear from the Spirit of God and pray accordingly. Does that make sense? Do we all agree to do that? Yes. If you're here for the first time or maybe you've only visited a couple times, Miss Liz is over here to my right. She's going to be in the blue room outside this door. It's our mission, mission room. We have a gift that we'd like to give you and bless you with and just thank you for, for worshiping with us today. And if you have a prayer need, don't leave without coming forward to receive prayer this morning. Amen. We serve a good God. Stay strong. You got one week left. One week left of the fast. You're doing great. Keep it up. If you haven't started doing it, get in on this last week. Get plugged in on this last week because God's moving. Amen. Father, thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, we worship you, honor you, 
and glorify you. You are awesome, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being patient. Have a great Sunday.